Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. A string of shootings on the streets of Coquitlam. Three in a row. Something's going on. They got a... the latest round of brazen gunfire leading to a homicide investigation. A devastating crash stalls business for a mechanic shop owner. That's a $25,000 a month. And that's not included in my wage. Why he's placing the blame on ICBC's no fault insurance. Tragedy in the mountains. The search for a missing helicopter comes to an end. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thank you for joining us. Another lower mainland community is on edge as police investigate three shootings in three days in Coquitlam. The first happened Thursday afternoon in the area of Johnson Street and Glen Drive. Then on Friday evening, shots disturbed the peace in the area of David Avenue and Mitchell Street. And yesterday afternoon, just 49 hours after the first shooting, police called out again, this time to Westwood and Glen Drive. Cassidy Moscone reports. Three shootings, three days, three locations. The Coquitlam community on edge as police try to piece together the crimes officers are calling isolated and targeted. Oh yeah, everybody's concerned. It's the talk of the neighbourhood. It's a school over there, you know, it's, I, I was looking at that when I was walking this morning because I didn't know if it was another shooting going on. Or... I feel unsafe. The most recent scene, Westwood Street and Glen Drive, now in the hands of the Integrated Homicide Investigation Team after officers say they found one man with life-threatening injuries on Saturday afternoon. Two suspects allegedly ran from the scene. Officers out in force Sunday scouring the streets and a nearby park for evidence, but no words of comfort for the community. No injuries in Thursday or Friday's shootings, which took place a mere matter of kilometres away. Between them, one car was shot at, two victims identified and two suspects located. The community here want information and they want answers. Some of them we spoke to were too frightened to leave their homes on Saturday night. Coquitlam RCMP refused our requests for an on-camera interview on Sunday. Questions the residents are looking at law enforcement to answer. Cassidy Moscone, Global News. A sad ending to the search for a missing helicopter east of Revelstoke. A cormorant from CFB Comox joined the search this morning, supporting crews that have been searching for the past two days in deep snow on either side of the Trans-Canada Highway through Glacier National Park. Search and rescue crews picked up pings from an emergency locator transmitter using a handheld device to guide their efforts. A witness tells Global News the weather was poor at the time and they saw a helicopter flying just above the trees. This afternoon, searchers found the chopper with one person inside who died in the crash. The helicopter was traveling from Calgary to Sycamus on Friday when it went down. 
The RCMP and Transportation Safety Board are investigating. Snowfall warnings are in effect for parts of the south coast as a winter storm bears down on the region. Crews are hard at work in North Vancouver, lining up trucks and moving the salt into position. Trucks will be out all day pre-treating roads and will be plowing and salting streets as necessary. The snow warning applies to Howe Sound and the Fraser Valley, with snow expected to start tomorrow morning. As a result, the eastbound HOV lane on the Portman Bridge will close at midnight until 2 Monday afternoon. Contractors are also prepared to shut down the westbound HOV lane if necessary. Drivers are being reminded to ensure they're prepared for winter driving conditions. With more on the timeline on that snow now, let's bring in Yvonne Chal. Yvonne. Travis, this is key, especially for back to work and school. It's going to be busy out on the roadways and the potential for snow will pick up as early as tomorrow morning and then once again for the afternoon commute. Areas that are in green, that's where we're seeing the special weather statement will also be paired with very windy conditions. The snowfall warning for areas near Whistler, 15 and up to 20 centimeters picking up for the afternoon, intensifying in towards the evening. Howe Sound and the Fraser Valley, that's east, including Hope, between 10 and up to 15 centimeters by tomorrow night but all areas that are in green so that extends higher elevations the usual spots westwood plateau burnaby mountain could see anywhere between two and up to four centimeters and this will be key as we get in through the day so we are going to track that potential for the early morning hours a bit of a transition that snow level is actually going to spike or the freezing level and then we will see that change over to rain for many areas and then we've got the potential once again for the afternoon commute for higher elevations seeing the potential for some snowfall what's key for tomorrow as well. We are going to see those windy conditions and heavy rain is going to start to pick up. Uh, lots of instability overnight where we could also see the risk of thunderstorms. So I wanted to highlight key things for tomorrow, two and up to four centimeters of snow, strong winds between 16 up to 80 kilometers per hour, rainfall amounts exceeding 30 and then the risk of thunderstorms overnight. Now with it, if you're traveling along the mountain passes, a significant amount of snow Monday in towards Wednesday, those amounts coming up very shortly. Travis. Okay, thanks Yvonne. A major police presence is still on scene near the Surrey-Langley border. Police dogs were deployed this afternoon in the area of 192nd Street and 76th Avenue. We don't have many details, but at least two vehicles, including an RCMP SUV, could be seen in the ditch and in the trees, with investigators bagging evidence. An ambulance and Surrey Fire also responded to the secluded area. We have reached out to Surrey RCMP for more details, and we'll bring them to you as soon as they're available. Winter storms aren't just a concern for drivers. Come spring, all that water flows down to the ocean past millions of people on the Lower Mainland. And local politicians say there isn't enough money to shore up the dikes needed to keep all those people safe. Grace Key reports. I just want to be very clear on this. Uh, there is no way uh, that this region will be able to maintain uh, the safety of our dike system on its own. We need the senior government to take the lead on this. Municipalities are once again renewing a call for the province to retake authority for diking maintenance and upgrades across BC. You just have to look at what happened with Sumas a couple of years ago in Abbotsford to see natural disasters, they don't know municipal borders. They don't respect provincial or national borders. This is a cross-regional, cross-jurisdictional issue. It's complex. It requires senior government leadership. Funding is also an issue. Upgrades in Delta will cost $2 billion, according to Delta Councillor and Chair of Metro Vancouver's Flood Resiliency Committee, Dylan Kruger. We're forced into this system where municipalities are competing with each other for these scarce senior government grant dollars. And so it's, it goes to whoever has the best grant writer, as opposed to what it should be, 
systematic prioritization based on the biggest economic impact uh, of a potential uh, flood, flooding event. The Union of BC Municipalities renewed the request at the annual convention, calling it an urgent matter. Responsibility for dike maintenance switched hands in 2003 under the Liberal government. Cities do not have the ability on our own uh, to maintain our dikes and upgrade them to the standard that is required of us. We know that sea level is rising. This is a provincial uh, and a national priority in terms of the safety and security of our citizens and our critical infrastructure. Uh, we're continuing to call on the province to retake authority uh, for dike maintenance and upgrades and we're hopeful that they're listening. The councillor is hoping the BC flood strategy will include a proposal for the province to retake dike authority across BC. Grace Key, Global News. Pro-Palestinian protests in Victoria are raising concerns from the city's Jewish community. Protesters gathered at the legislature in Victoria this afternoon, followed by a march through the streets calling for a free Palestine. A local rabbi planned to interrupt the demonstration as it passed through the city's downtown core, but she says Victoria police called her, warning her against taking action, fearing for her safety. She says enough is enough, and the safety of the Jewish community is not being taken seriously. I have had more mothers, more parents, terrified calling me about their children in elementary school, about their children in high school, about their children at university. I've had university students call, wanting to meet. How do I manage this? Weeping in my office, weeping at the sheer hatred that they're encountering. The rabbi says she will continue to attend all future demonstrations planned in Victoria. BC's no-fault insurance regime is once again coming under fire, this time from a business person whose life has been turned upside down when a simple motorcycle ride turned into a nightmare. Angela Jung reports. But suddenly in front of me they changed the direction, kind of a head-to-head -head collision. I was on the lane. Yoshihiro Yanigitani describing this head-on crash from last May. Out of nowhere. This car slams into him. I was flying, and from my head, get into the roof and smash up. The 75-year-old was hospitalized for nearly four months, suffering from hemorrhaging, lacerations, and up to 30 bone fractures. About here and uh, this side here. Yanni Gitani now has plates in his arm. His shoulder so isn't the same, one, and he can't use his to... trusted tools anymore. I don't have any power to turn. He has owned this Richmond auto repair shop for 35 years. After the crash, he was forced to close and lay off staff. And bills keep on piling up. To keep shop about $25,000 a month. ICBC is paying him $740 a week as income replacements, money he didn't get until he hired a lawyer. He received zero dollars uh, for the income replacement benefit as well as the permanent impairment benefit. The Crown Corporation says it's also funded more than $14,000 in Yanigitani's medical and rehabilitation benefits. Under uh, this uh, uh, model of insurance, 
um, everyone has access to a wide range of care and recovery benefits. His lawyer says Yanni Gitani would have been better off going to court. If he had gone to court under the old system, he would have received compensation for pain and suffering you know, to the tune of $200,000 and up. When it comes to business disruptions, the Crown Corporation says there are other insurers for that. For businesses, there are uh, insurance products available to ensure um, that businesses are covered. That was never advertised by the government nor um, ICBC when those changes were coming into effect. This case may yet end up in court. Yanni Gitani is considering a constitutional challenge. Angela Jung, Global News. Still to come, repairing a long-standing Vancouver pier. What the park board is looking for in order to get started on Jericho pier repairs. And the disappearance of a North Okanagan man in his 80s renews calls for BC to bring in a silver alert system. Fire crews were busy this morning fighting a large commercial building fire in Chinatown. The fire broke out just after 5 this morning in the 500 block of Main Street near Pender. Flames were coming out of the ground floor in the back of the building. A total of 28 firefighters were on scene and quickly extinguished the blaze. Upon arrival, our crews found that there was a large fire in the rear and uh, our crews got some water on the fire as soon as possible and it was a two-story structure. Uh, there's, no, there's nobody in the back when we got here. Uh, we went inside the building and there was nobody inside, no occupants, uh, so there's no injuries on the fire side. Fire investigators are now trying to de determine the cause. It appears long-awaited repairs to the Jericho Pier are set to take a significant step forward. The Vancouver Park Board is looking for a consultant who specializes in marine structures to manage repairs to the iconic structure. The Jericho Pier was badly damaged by coastal storms in 2021 and 22. The current structure was built in 1977. However, a pier structure has stood at the same location for over 80 years. The pier has been closed since 2021. BC Ferries customers can expect changes to one of its service routes as construction on the Snug Cove terminal is set to begin Monday. Work on extending the life of the marine structures at the aging terminal will last until the end of March. As part of the project, daily service between Horseshoe Bay and Bowen Island will be modified and includes a full berth closure on three weekends between now and March. Most of the work will occur overnight to limit disruptions. The new schedule can be found on the BC Ferries website. 2023 saw a major uptick in the number of construction worker deaths. Last year alone, 54 construction workers were killed in BC, the highest number in 35 years. Deaths due to asbestos exposure increased, followed by trauma-based deaths, which include collapses, falls and collisions. Advocates say workers need to heighten their safety precautions and more inspectors need to be present on job sites. They're also calling for stiffer penalties and better training. We are working with the government to uh, implement skilled trades certification. So this is a requirement for certain trades. You either have to be a registered apprentice or a journey person to perform this work. So electricians, um, pipe fitters, steam fitters, refrigeration mechanics, sheet metal workers, that if you're going to do this work, which is highly skilled, that you uh, are receiving the training that you need through a certified trainer. 
Some parts of Canada already have the system, but here in B.C., a silver alert system has been advocated for but never implemented. As Victoria Famia reports, the founder of the B.C. Silver Alert is pushing for the system following the disappearance of a senior in the North Okanagan. Another missing senior prompting yet another call for a silver alert system in B.C. The idea is to alert people when someone's missing to treat it like the emergency that it is and to activate uh, resources to, to, to find them quicker. I, I believe, yes, it, it definitely could save lives. This comes after 83-year-old North Okanagan resident Robert Baines, recently diagnosed with Alzheimer's, walked out of his home six days ago and has been missing ever since. A lot of searches throughout the province are for individuals with dementia, dementia uh, Regardless of severity, it could be mild, moderate, or advanced. The silver alert targets the vulnerable population, including people with dementia. A responsive person is is going to be is going to respond to somebody calling their name. They're going to move toward lights and various things like that. Someone with dementia, they don't ne they don't necessarily know they're lost. The idea is to have an alert sent to the cell phones of those in the vicinity of the missing person. Just like an amber alert, our phone goes off. There's an alarm system and more people are apt to read it. When we use social media or uh, newscasts and whatnot, people aren't apt to see it till the evening or later in the day. The alert would urge people not to go out and search themselves, but rather just have a look at their surroundings, check any doorbell cams they might have, or even think of the last time they might have seen the missing person. It's a way to use the public as another resource. We see people uh, seek sh uh, people with dementia seek shelter, like I said, underneath bushes, in outbuildings, sometimes just underneath a log. So they would look in their own area and it would just be alert if they'd seen the person earlier in the day. Victoria Famia, Global News. Prince George is set to receive upgrades to its main hospital, which includes a brand new surgical tower. Northern Health's capital budget now includes $2 million worth of upgrades to the University Hospital of Northern BC cardiac care unit. Early work on a new surgical tower has also been included on Northern Health's capital projects list. The hospital's operating rooms were built in the 1980s and no longer meet modern technological needs. BC's health minister says it's time to change that. You say, well, you haven't announced the full project yet at business plan stage, only at concept plan stage. Well, this is preparation. We need to do this anyway. And I said, let's go and let's do the first stages. And I can tell you people in Prince George are enthusiastic about let's go. And so that's what we're doing there. That's what those early works are for. Work on the initial step of the new surgical tower is set to begin later this year and be completed in 2025. Still ahead, the ripple effect of a frightening incident aboard an Alaska Airlines flight. More flight disruptions as the airline grounds its Boeing 737 MAX 9 planes following a door blowing off of one mid-flight. And nearly four years after Iranian officials shot down Ukraine Airlines Flight 752, family of some victims say Iran is trying to silence them for speaking out against the regime. There are more flight disruptions in the U.S. today after that frightening ordeal on an Alaskan Airlines flight. The airline again grounded all its Boeing 737 MAX 9 jetliners after federal officials in the U.S. indicated further maintenance might be required. 
The FAA ordered them grounded after an Alaska Airlines flight had a portion of its fuselage blow out shortly after takeoff from Portland Friday. The plane landed safely with no serious injuries. Alaska had returned 18 of its 65 MAX 9s to service after they initially passed inspection. The FAA says 171 Boeing MAX 9 airplanes will remain grounded until they're deemed safe. Canada is about to mark four years since the downing of Ukraine International Airlines Flight 752. 55 Canadians and 30 permanent residents were killed when Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps shot, shot down the passenger plane. Since then, as Negar Mojtahedi reports, Iran's regime is ramping up its campaign to try to silence dissidents abroad. <laughs> You don't have to speak Farsi to understand the pain in this mother's voice. The thought of never seeing you again, she says, is driving me crazy. Canadian activist Hamid Esmailiun says his mother, Turan Shamsolahi, has been banned from leaving Iran for at least six months. She, she was in distress. I, I've heard that she was shivering when she heard the news. Shamsolahi was stopped at Tehran's airport, as seen here, on her way to Canada to be with Ismailiun to mark the four-year anniversary of his wife and daughter's deaths. Both killed when Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps shot down their flight with two surface-to-air missiles. Canada must stand for justice. Ismailiun believes the ban is a form of revenge for his activism and following his calls for action after a former senior minister of the regime was seen vacationing in Canada. Islamic Republic always has punished uh, like Iranian activists out of Iran by, by taking their families as a hostage. Global Affairs Canada posted on X that it is deeply concerned about the intimidation of family members of victims of flight PS752. We appreciate that, but this is not enough. So Iran's regime has a long history of trying to intimidate uh, members of the diaspora. Human rights lawyer Kava Shahru says accounts like this are not unusual, with threats from the regime even on Canadian soil. A recent global news investigation uncovered reports of hundreds of regime-linked associates living in Canada. And instead of giving him justice, the Iranian regime um, is now harassing other members of his family and putting him under threat. It really speaks to how despicable and evil the Iranian regime is. It was important to have my mom uh, in my side. While regime-linked insiders are living in Canada, Ismailiun's mother can't even leave Iran, denied access to her son at a time when he needs her the most. <laughs> Negar Moshehedi, Global News, Vancouver. After the break, Yvonne's got the forecast. Winter weather is on the way and shattering a glass ceiling in women's sports. Tryouts are underway for a history-making lacrosse team. A group of Ukrainian carolers were out celebrating Orthodox Christmas today, despite the church moving the celebration to December 25th. But there are those of us that are traditionalists and uh, really want to separate the Santa Claus um, from the spiritual event of the birth of Jesus Christ. So we choose to uh, celebrate the Holy Supper last night, January 6th, and today, Christmas Day, January 7th. And we'll probably continue to do so in the future. 
The carolers are spreading their holiday spirit while reminding community members that the war in Ukraine is not over. The carolers also collecting donations for the Canadian Ukraine Foundation, which supplies humanitarian aid to the war-torn country. And members of Kelowna's Ukrainian Orthodox Church also celebrating a January 7th Christmas, holding a potluck Christmas Eve party yesterday evening. Okay, now let's bring in Yvonne. Uh, Yvonne, as the work week gets underway and kids head back to school, <laughs> there's a change in the forecast. Yeah, and the timing of it, uh, very important, especially for the morning commute and leading in towards the afternoon commute. We're going to get a taste of winter for tomorrow. Uh, this evening, it'll just be a chance of showers, but the bulk of the action and the big weather story will start to progress as we get overnight and taking us in towards tomorrow morning. And this will be the weather maker that is on deck. We've got a series of systems. Uh, once again, we've got a special weather statement that's blank hitting the south coast, the areas of concern that are underneath the snowfall warning. Whistler, 15 and up to 20 centimeters by tomorrow night. 10 and up to 15 for House Sound. It's the Fraser Valley East, including Hope, with 10 and up to 15 centimeters by tomorrow night. Now, here's the timeline. So most areas, we've got that potential. Snow mixed with rain, higher elevations, Westwood Plateau, Burnaby Mountain, the usual spots. 2 and up to 4 centimeters is what we're tracking with this system. And we are going to see the potential for it to change over to rain as we get in towards the the afternoon. It'll be brief and then for many areas east and higher elevations as we get in towards the afternoon commute we could see the potential for some snow pickup once again and then we are looking at very heavy rain towards the evening hours. Windy conditions and lots of instability overnight will give us the potential and the risk of thunderstorms. It'll be a mixed bag through the day tomorrow but be prepared Snow mixed with rain, even in towards the late afternoon, those winds between 16 up to 80 kilometers per hour. Rainfall amounts uh, upwards of 30, and that risk of thunderstorms will be overnight. So these are the key things to keep in mind, taking us in towards our Tuesday morning, and then it should taper off to showers for most areas. We've got a winter storm warning for a few of the mountain passes, and this is going to pick up for the afternoon tomorrow and lead in towards Wednesday. So if you're traveling along the mountain passes, you want to check in with drivebc.ca for the latest road conditions. Sea to sky, 15 and up to 20 centimeters through the day tomorrow. Kootenai Pass and Allison Pass arrange between 10 and up to 20 centimeters, but the mountain passes will continue to track that snow and heavy at times in towards our Wednesday. Now, here's how it plays out for the northern half of the province. It'll be wet and windy, very chilly in the coming days. And towards the peace, we'll be just topping out at minus 22. Much of the central and southern half of the province extending into the southeastern corners. There is going to be some light snowfall, not a significant amount. It's really for higher elevations, those mountain passes, and all areas along the south coast. So tomorrow morning, we could see some of that wet snow mix with rain. Two and up to four centimeters will be possible. Tuesday should taper off to some showers. A brief break on our Wednesday, but the better chance for some snow, those who are looking for some snow, will be Thursday, Friday as temperatures cool down significantly. Travis? All right. Thanks, Yvonne. It was announced late last year that lacrosse would return to the Olympic Games in 2028 after a century-long break. Well, the sport is returning to the world stage before then, making history in the process. The Canadian women are set to compete in the first ever women's box lacrosse world championships. Sharon Bates has the story. I uh, started in boys lacrosse, so there wasn't really an opportunity for women to play uh, in the youth sport level. Canada's national summer sport lacrosse is about to have its glass ceiling shattered. Box lacrosse has historically been dominated by men with few opportunities for women, but that is changing. Look up, look up, look up! 
this is like a dream come true. I never thought this would ever happen and I'm so glad that it finally has come to fruition. This summer, Canada will make history when they compete against nine other countries at the first ever Women's Box Lacrosse World Championships in Utica, New York. The first round of Team Canada Box Lacrosse tryouts kicked off this weekend. Uh, we have over 106 athletes and 13 goalies trying out. Combined with the Ontario camp that happened last weekend, we hope to narrow down our numbers to 23 athletes in total that are selected to represent Canada at the World Championships. Being on this journey, it's something you didn't think was a possibility growing up. So up until quite recently with uh, Michelle Boyer being a huge trailblazer in this and all the behind the scenes stuff, we didn't realize that you could dream a dream like this. Michelle Boyer, a Canadian Lacrosse Hall of Fame inductee, was asked by World Lacrosse to chair a working group. And our task was to research uh, around the world if there was an interest in women's box lacrosse and also to look at the barriers for women to get into the game or to stay in the game. I think that there hasn't been a, a huge support of women's sport um, before now with box lacrosse and as it's growing and women are gaining international recognition for what we're doing with lacrosse it's, it's finally we're getting what's been deserved for a long time. We're so thankful that there were so many women before us to give us these opportunities and if we keep moving at this pace there's gonna be some really awesome things for women's sports and especially women's box lacrosse. Dream as big as you can and you never know what can what you can accomplish right it's very very cool. Yeah. The sky is absolutely the limit like women's sports people watch and we're rising and it, it starts now and just all gas, no breaks. Like it's so exciting to be a female in women's sports right now. Sharon Bates, Global News. Very cool to see, a great way to grow the sport. Mm -hmm. Gotta have some courage to play that lacrosse, I'll tell you, tell <laughs> you that. It's much. a tough sport to say Big the least. for them, that's right. Barry, what do you got coming up? Well, we have uh, last Sunday at the NFL season, the Seahawks Playoff aspirations on the line. They needed to beat Arizona and then hope for a Green Bay loss. So we'll tell you what happened there. We have most of the playoff matchups uh, for you as well uh, coming up. So we'll have that. And the top team in the NHL right now is the Winnipeg Jets. First time ever they've been in this uh, place this late in the season. And they're doing it again tonight against Arizona, who used to be the Winnipeg Jets about 35 years ago. So that's all coming up. Okay. Thanks, Barry. And after the break, a textbook example of how you're never too old to chase your dreams. We'll introduce you to a Kamloops senior who just turned a pandemic passion into a published book at the age of 97. A Kamloops man has recently published his first book of poetry at the age of 97. Memories and More hit bookshelves last summer, a collection of works written during the COVID-19 pandemic. Delana Nishaw of CFJC News spoke with the budding author. In our hearts, an abiding love exists for those special angels in our midst. Murray DeVoe never considered himself particularly artistic and hadn't written poetry before, but his creativity came out during the pandemic. One morning, uh, I had the urge to write the poem, which I did, which was about the special staff. And I gave it to Bonnie. A fear has swept across the peaceful land. We pause and try to understand. Bonnie Johnson worked for Kamloops Seniors Village at the time, and she and DeVoe became friends. She was who he trusted to give an honest review of his initial work. I was pretty impressed. You know, he said, I just wrote this poem, and it was kind of on a, just a little piece of paper. And, and I was like, that is really fantastic. And 
you know, he, then he just keep, kept coming up with more poems. DeVoe began writing more pieces about people who were important to him, the staff whose work he respected during the pandemic, and poems about the course of his life. I was writing pretty steady. I, sometimes I could go to bed at night and a poem would come into my head. I'd get up in the morning and write it out. With help from family, DeVoe's book was submitted to a publisher, and over the summer of 2023, it was printed and distributed. He's now 97, but in DeVoe's view, age shouldn't exclude people from trying new things. I'm not sure what age has to do with it. You know, I think it's something that everybody could learn from. Um, Life doesn't just stop. Dimples was a little white pony whose ears were brown. She was born in the prairie hills, far from town. DeVoe's approach to not viewing age as a limitation actually encouraged Johnson to pursue a new career. I retired and I started a business. And Murray was a really large part of encouraging me, like, you can do this. You can do this. People will be inspired by... From DeVoe's side, the inspiration is mutual. That first poem I wrote and gave to Bonnie and she thought it was good. If she'd have said that's terrible and thrown away, I'd probably put an end to that. The life into which we all will grow is like the tides that ebb and flow. Memories and More is currently available on Amazon and other online book retailers and eventually DeVoe hopes to get it on shelves in Kamloops. Delana Nishaw, CFJC News. After the break, Seattle Seahawks fans cheer on the Chicago Bears for a day. What the Bears needed to do for Seattle to have a path to the playoffs. Barry will break it down. Lots of uh, important football being mm -hmm. played today. Yeah, still a few playoff spots to be determined on the final Sunday. Thanks, Travis. The uh, Seahawks completed their regular season this afternoon in Arizona, needing to beat the Cardinals and then hope for a Green Bay loss to Chicago in order for Seattle to make the playoffs. Seahawks uh, had to take care of business in Phoenix first against a Cardinals team that is playing much better than the one that lost in Seattle earlier this year when Kyler Murray was still working his way back from ACL surgery. Pete Carroll's made the playoffs 10 of his 13 seasons in Seattle. First quarter starts pretty well. Geno Smith to Will Disley. Twisting around to make the catch. That would lead to a Seahawks field goal, so they're on the board up 3-0. Seahawks run defense under scrutiny after getting bowled over by the Steelers last week. Kyler Murray, well, he is elusive. Give him that. He is hard to tackle. 30-yard scamper. That led to a Cardinals field goal, and it's 3-all early second quarter. But Seattle ends are right back. Once again, Geno will find his tight end. Will Disley, his first touchdown of the season. 10-3 Seattle on top. They led 13-6 at the half. But in the third, Arizona revs up the running game again. James Conner, one of the best in the league, will burst through. And he takes this one 29 yards for the touchdown. The Cards rolled up 206 rush yards on the day to tie it at 13. The Steelers also went for over 200 last week. Fourth quarter, little razzle-dazzle. Cardinals on fourth and goal. Looked like they're going to do the field goal, but the kicker lines up as a receiver. It confused the Seahawks. Murray will hit Trey McBride for the eight-yard touchdown. Seahawks thought there was a substitution issue there, but the touchdown stands 2013 Arizona. But after a missed field goal by Arizona that would have put the game away, Geno Smith to Tyler Lockett for the 34-yard touchdown, and that makes it 20-19. Now, truth be told, the Seahawks just found out the Packers won their game, so they were eliminated. So they decide to go for two, nothing to lose really, and they got the two-pointer. Gino to lock it again, 
21-20 Seattle. Cardinals had a chance to win it on the final play, but Matt Prater misses again. Second field goal he missed, 51 yards out. 21-20 Hawks win, but they missed the playoffs with a 9-8 record. Just the fourth time Pete Carroll won't be taking Seattle to the postseason. So as we said, Green Bay won. They had to win or else the Saints would have got in. Second quarter, the Pack were down by three, but Jordan Love to Dontavian Wicks for the touchdown, capping a 92-yard drive. Green Bay up 7-6. Third quarter, same combination for the Pack. Love to Wicks, 12-yarder this time, and Green Bay wins 17-9. So cheese heads, the Pack are going back to the playoffs after the 17-9 victory. So this is the way it sets up in the NFC. We don't have the game times and dates yet, but San Fran gets the first round by. It'll be Green Bay at Dallas. The Cowboys are the NFC East champs because they beat Washington today. The Rams will go to Detroit, and Philadelphia lost again to the Giants. They've lost four or five. They're struggling, but they get maybe the best first-round matchup at Tampa Bay. Meanwhile, in the AFC, Trevor Lawrence playing for the Jaguars against Tennessee. He missed last week with a shoulder injury, but the Jags had to win to get into the playoffs. So Lawrence toughing it out, less than 100%. But the Titans were not cooperating. DeAndre Hopkins with the TD catch. Tennessee led 28-13. Fourth quarter, now 28-20. Fourth and goal. Lawrence tries the quarterback sneak, reach the ball over the goal line. But a guy with a bad shoulder might not be the best candidate for this play. He is short. Jags fall short as well. They lose 28-20. They are eliminated from the playoffs. So that means the Steelers and Bills get in. And speaking of the Bills, they're at Miami in the final game of the regular season in the Sunday nighter. Winner gets the AFC East Division. Second quarter, Dolphins open the scoring. It's uh, Devon Chen, a 25-yard touchdown gallop. Miami leads 14-7 late in the first half. Once this game is over, we will know the AFC wildcard weekend matchups. We do know if Miami wins, these teams will meet again next week in Miami. The Canucks are spending today in Manhattan, maybe shopping, maybe going to a good play. They are off to a good start in their games against the New York area teams after beating the Devils 6-4 last night. They are at the Eastern Conference leading Rangers tomorrow, and then they play the Islanders the next day. The Canucks lead the Pacific by two points over Vegas with a game in hand. NHL tonight, Winnipeg Jets are the number one team in the NHL. First time ever in franchise history. They've been on top of the league this late in a season, 13-1-2. In their last 16 games, second period, Nick Ehlers with the slapper. On the dad's trip, they love it. 2-0 Winnipeg, third period. Mark Scheifele sent in alone, goes to the backhand. He scored two on the night, and the Jets win again. 6-2, they've got 56 points to lead the league. The Canucks are three points back of them with 53. That's how good the Jets have played. Meanwhile, Flames at the Blackhawks. Chicago with 10 regulars injured right now, including, of course, Connor Bedard, likely out about six weeks with a fractured jaw. Second period, Flames power play. Andrew Mangiapane strikes on that power play centering pass banks in off the of Chicago skate and in flames will take it but they can't hold the lead Chicago tied it and then Nikita Zaitsev his slapper deflects in off flames defenseman Nick DeSimone so friendly fire both ways in this one Blackhawks now lead three to two and then late in the third Colin Blackwell finds net and the undermanned Blackhawks somehow beat the flames 4-3 that is a horrible loss for Calgary who are desperate to get back into the playoff hunt. 
We've got some World Under-18 Women's World Hockey Championship from Switzerland. Canada won big 11-0 over Germany in their opener. Another route today over Czechia. Three BC girls on the team, including Morgan Jackson from Courtney. Scores here to make it 5-1. And in the third, Jackson scores again. Great move to set it up and then fire it in. She's got four goals in two games. Leads Canadian goal scorers. 8-1 the final. Canada now 2-0. And they are the defending champions of this tournament. All right, that's an FA Cup third round featuring Arsenal and Liverpool. Bad luck of the draw to meet so early. Two big uh, teams involved. Liverpool took the lead on an own goal. And then in stoppage time, Luis Diaz fires to the top corner. 2-0 the final. Liverpool through to the fourth round. Arsenal struggling. Just one win in their last seven matches in all competitions. Manchester City and Huddersfield. And this one was one-way traffic, as you would expect. Man City having its way with a Huddersfield team that's near the bottom of the championship standings. That's the league below the Premier League. Julian Alvarez rolling one in, and then some nice footwork. Phil Foden will step into it. Man City roll 5-0. They move on to the fourth round. They are the defending FA Cup champs. Final round of the century from beautiful Maui. First PGA Tournament of 2024. Five Canadians in the field. Abbotsford's Adam Hadwin had a great Sunday. Nine under 64. He had 10 birdies. Almost sunk the eagle there on his finishing hole. He finished tied 14th, but he won 320,000 U.S. It's one of those signature events for the top 50 players. So Hadwin cashing in. Adam Svensson finished tied 33rd. Nick Taylor was 52nd. It was Chris Kirk, though, who came up with the shot of the day on 17. Tied for the lead at this point, but Kirk will sling it in from 209 yards out. How's this? Settles it to just three feet. He would make the birdie, and that was the difference as Chris Kirk wins the century and uh, 3.6 million first prize. I guess that makes for a happy new year. Winning score was 29 under par. That's it for sports. Keep, keep the 3.6 million. Just let me go to Maui and to play around. Maui, all the Hawaiian shirts he could buy for 3.6, huh? <laughs> yeah. I think one is probably too many. Yeah, you're, you're right about that. All right. Thanks, Barry. Right. After the break, a BC diver who catches his breath in a unique way. Stay with us. A BC man is hoping his new machine will be a game changer for the diving community. Dive Air aims to offer an efficient and easy way to refill scuba tanks. Today on This is BC, Jay Durant introduces us to an idea that was sparked years ago while on another underwater adventure. His love of the sport has taken him to dive sites all around the world, encountering some amazing sea life below the surface. We dive to see the seals. We dive to see all of your nudibranchs, all of your tiny little critters, humpback whales, dolphins, sea turtles, all these things, that's why we dive. And it's inspired Lucas Schlechter to find an alternate way to refill those scuba tanks right at the shore. It works just like a self-serve uh, gas pump or a self-serve vending machine. Collaborating with a number of local engineers to design Dive Air Station at West Vancouver's Whitecliff Park. After the safety checks are completed and the system closes the door, fills up your tank, then the door opens when it's ready and you detach your tank and go diving. But it has come with some controversy. There are several dive shop affiliated individuals that have been pushing back. Uh, their businesses, their livelihoods, they felt threatened just because it, it does represent some competition. And he's had to ensure people understand the safety. It's all contained. It's all behind blast-rated doors. We went through this with lots of very qualified and talented people here in BC uh, to develop a proper procedure. 
With the aim of growing his customer base in the new year, Lucas hopes more divers will try filling up and get back into the water to experience all the BC coast has to offer. The world that is under the waves is beautiful, it's unique. You kind of can't really see outside of that until you really push the boundaries, until you really go out there and explore and get to see these beautiful places and just enjoy. Jay Durant, Global News. If you know someone who has a great story to tell or something unique to BC that people need to know about, email your ideas to jay at thisisbc at globalnews.ca. That's one of those inventions where you go, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> it just seems very, very simple and yeah. obvious. The fish will be happy that there'll be more scuba divers. Yeah. Well, from <laughs> the water, them. from underwater to uh, the sky, Yvonne, <laughs> let's take uh, one last look at what's coming up. Yeah, we are going to have a little bit of taste of winter tomorrow. Wet snow mixed with rain. Uh, two and up to four centimeters is possible. That's for higher elevations. A uh, bit of a change over to rain for many areas. It'll be heavy at times with very gusty winds. And then heavy snow for Whistler and areas into the eastern Fraser Valley, including Hope. That's where we could see 10 and up to 15 centimeters and 15 to 20 for Whistler. Uh, brief break between systems. And then looking ahead, it's going to be very chilly Thursday onwards, and that's where we've got a better chance for snow. Winter is coming. Yeah. Yvonne, you're earning your money now. <laughs> Lots going on. Yeah. <laughs> Busy season for you. All right. Thanks so much for joining us. Have a great night. Good night.